he had only 43 days to make his mark on the world. But in those 43 days, he was a vicious killer. With his zigzag coat, you couldn't look away from him. You couldn't look away from his crimes. And one terrible day, he would end the lives of 38 aphids. Welcome to episode 38 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, a podcast about ladybirds and ladybugs around the world. I'm your host, Rachel. Hope everyone's doing well, and if you're in the UK, I hope you're enjoying the improved weather. My podcast recommendation for this week is the Nature Newbies podcast with Anna Feeney. This is a new podcast, and I've already listened to two episodes, and I'm really enjoying it so far. The first episode I listened to says about Answer the Question... Why are there so many pigeons? And the answer is really fascinating and it's got as much to do with human decisions to breed these birds as the pigeon's biology itself. She's done another few episodes, including another good one on who's the queen bee of pollination. So, when I first started this podcast, I was quite worried that either, one, nobody would want to listen, and two, I would run out of things to say really quickly. And actually, that hasn't actually happened. I wouldn't say it's the most popular podcast out there, but obviously quite a lot of people do want to listen to it. And I haven't run out of stuff to say. In fact, the more I do this podcast, the more there actually seems to be to talk about. For one thing, I know that I've got a number of Indian listeners to the show. And because of this, I've been trying to find an Indian ladybird. And I've found quite a few. I've actually found around 550. That's right, according to Dr. Janakiraman Parani, who has written quite extensively on Indian ladybirds and has two very informative websites on the topic, there are around 550 species of ladybird found on the Indian subcontinent. And if we're only looking at predatory ladybirds, there are 261. So this week, we're going to talk about one of them. Chalomides sex maculata, the six-spotted zigzag ladybird. This ladybird was first described in Western science by Johann Christian Fabricius in 1781, but it's well known in the Indian subcontinent as a predator. It's one of the most common ladybirds on the Indian subcontinent, and they're found across the region, including in the Asian tropics, Pakistan, Japan and Australia. They've also been introduced to the Caribbean as a biological control, but have been found in South America. It's got the alternative scientific name Menocalus or Menocalus sexmaculatus, which you'll see in some Indian articles on the topic, but they're the same ladybird. The six-spotted zigzag ladybird is around four or five millimetres long, and in fact, The name six-spotted zigzag ladybird is a bit misleading because this ladybird 
is very polymorphic. And in one study, up to 20 different forms were found. And I really should define what polymorphism is because we're going to be using this quite a lot in the episode. According to an article on The Ladybird by Vijay Singh and a group of other researchers, quote, polymorphism is the existence of different individuals with different morphological, behavioural or biochemical characteristics within a population. Polymorphism can occur for many different reasons. It can evolve because animals find themselves in different environments, they want to absorb heat better or they need to maybe absorb it less, better if they're too hot. Or they can also make use of polymorphism to hide from predators. It increases the genetic diversity and fitness of the animals. So according to Singh's study, which examined six different forms of six-spotted zigzag ladybird in Haryana, a town in India, these can be roughly grouped into two categories, non-melanic and melanic. And different forms, or morphs, of the ladybird are more or less common depending on what region you're in. And you might remember a couple of weeks ago in the episode on Oenopia shirkihensis, I talked about the morph that was found of the two-spot form that was very, very similar to um, Oenopia conglobata. So we're going to talk about the most common morph now, and then I'll tell you all about some of the others. So in all six-spotted zigzag ladybirds, there's a ridge going around the elytra. And for that reason, it can be confused sometimes with some of the Chilocoronae ladybirds in terms of its shape, and also, I think, with another one called uh, Microspis. Um, there's a Microspis ladybird that can be confused as well. And you'll see why it can get confused in a bit. It's oval-shaped and very round, a lot like the Chilocoronae ladybird lot. But on the underside of the ladybird, which is known as the ventral side, it's a yellowish colour, and the antennae are short, Again, so like the kidney spot or the pine ladybird, the antennae will be short. But I think on this one, they're a bit longer. They're not that short. So the most common form of the six-spotted zigzag ladybird is what gives the ladybird its name. In this form, the ladybird has got three zigzag-shaped markings on each side. And there is a black sutural line going down the middle of the elytra. And that extends to the middle of the pronotum as well. On the base of the ladybird's head is a thick black line. And there's another thick line going along the base of the pronotum. Although it's all classified as the same form, the colour is highly variable. It can range from yellow to cream to pink, light red or orange. Now, in another form found in Haryana, although much less commonly, all the pronotum markings are still the same, if maybe slightly thinner, and there's still a line going down the middle of the ladybird. However, apart from the line, that's it. It doesn't have any spots. And to make things a little bit more confusing, like most ladybirds, when it first comes out of the pupa, it's only got pronotum markings and doesn't develop its spots until later. And depending on a number of factors, especially the temperature or the altitude these ladybirds are found at, or how north or south they're found, they are more or less dark. There is one form called F. Nigra, where the ladybird's elytra is completely black, with two pale, tiny markings on its head. And in general, the higher altitude the ladybird is found at, if it's sort of halfway up a mountain, it'll be very cold and it will need to sort of um, absorb heat. In that case, the darker it is likely to be. In a separate study, 
Japanese researchers found another form, which they named Form I, where the black markings form a really interesting cross shape along its elytra with a thick black line going up and down it, and another form called Form M, which gives the ladybear's back a sort of Halloween pumpkin look. There's another one called Form U1, where the zigzags are just visible, but there's a dark ridge going around the lower half of the ladybird's elytra. Overall, they found around 30 different variations, not counting the Indian one with just the line and no spots, and 20 which were significantly different enough to be classified into forms. The Indian researchers in Haryana found a ladybird with black elytra with a yellow zigzag going along the middle in the way that I kind of thought looks like Batman. And, you know, you can see what you think. I've linked to both of them in the show notes. So let's look at the larva. The larva has got a grey or almost purplish looking and white dappled appearance with six tubercules or spikes on each abdominal segment. In its final form, the larva has got white or cream edges down its side and its head is a orangey yellow colour. I've attached another picture in the show notes. The pupa is a brown or peachy colour with black markings or lines down the side and near its head and spiky projections on its body. It will take one or two weeks to develop into an adult. As well as being found in India, you can find six spotted zigzag ladybirds in Indonesia, Malaysia, Nepal, Japan and parts of Australia and the Pacific. It's also found in Iran. It was introduced to Curacao, an island in the Caribbean, as part of a biological control programme, but it's since been recorded in South America, in countries such as Panama, Ecuador, Venezuela, Chile and Peru, where it's also used for biological control. It's been found in Trinidad as well. But as we know, the risk with biological controls are when there's a similar climate, similar conditions and not much of um, competition or natural predators or natural parasites or anything like that, their species can establish itself quickly and have an impact on native species. Another issue with biological control that's more sort of um, inconvenient for farmers in this case is the difficulty of mass rearing the ladybirds, finding the right aphids, breeding them in the right temperature and providing them with enough food before selling them to farmers. One interesting thing about this ladybird is the lifespan varies a lot. In one study I read, in India, they were found to only live around a month, with females living slightly longer than males, and the longest recorded lifespan only being 43 days from hatching out of the egg to actually dying. This might be because in hot weather, an insect's lifespan is sped up and they get through the whole cycle much more quickly. The ladybirds can breed more quickly and produce more offspring, but they do die faster. But they do have an overwintering period, particularly in colder climates like Japan and places such as mountains with a higher altitude. In Japan, the ladybirds do live longer than in the hot climate of India and in Osaka, which is towards the south of Japan, It was found that there are three generations per year in 2003 to 2005 and again in 2007 to 2009. But in other years, only two generations. So one generation hatched out in summer and the other one hatched out in winter. Ladybirds which emerge later will hibernate and emerge as overwintered adults after the winter. And those which emerge earlier in the year, sort of in time for hot summer, will go through a kind of summer hibernation or easterbation, so they'll be over adults. In Osaka, 
These ladybirds were found to mate throughout the year, except in summer, when it was particularly hot. The explanation of why they were overwintering and what they were doing is a bit unclear in the study. Like, if you read it after the show, you can see what I mean. I had some difficulty understanding what it what they meant there. But it seems to me that if I've understood the study correctly, the ladybirds emerged from their hibernation period in the winter in sort of a range of a few weeks. So they were hibernating sort of throughout the colder months and then they emerged and sort of started to mate in the sort of window of um, May and April. And uh, there's an interesting table which goes through all of the, the years and the dates that the exact dates that they were observed um, overwintering and waking up. I think that's what it means anyway. For the summer emerging ladybirds, the period of time in which they were, I suppose, over-summering was shorter and the sort of window they had in which to wake up and start mating was a bit shorter. They all did so within a few days in September or October. And I didn't really make a great deal of sense of the dates where everything was happening, but maybe you can make more sense of it than I can when you read it. Of course, one important thing about six-spotted zigzag ladybirds is that the adults and larvae are important predators of aphids, as well as mealybugs, mites, scale insects and other pests, including plant hoppers. They've also eaten the early forms of cicadas and butterfly moth caterpillars, which, depending on what they eat, where and whether it's a native species, and whether the ladybird is itself a native species, might actually not be such a good idea. One adult ladybird is known to eat between 22 and 38 aphids in 24 hours. An Iranian study looked at how many green pomegranate aphids the ladybird would eat at different temperatures, and it was discovered that the optimum temperature for aphid eating was at 27.5 degrees C. They're also useful against mustard aphids and seem to be a good generalist predator. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Due to some personal stuff, episodes might be sporadic for the next few weeks, but I've got a two-parter on the Ladybird invasion of 1976 coming up for episodes 39 and 40, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you like this show and want to support me, you can buy me a coffee at Kofi, www.co-fee.com slash hwabpodcast. You can follow me on Twitter at hwabpodcast or on Instagram at 365.ladybird or like my Facebook page www.facebook.com slash hiddenwings and bloodlust. Please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Music is by Deborah Torrance. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.